What's up? What's up, everyone? Hello. My name is Athena Brentsberger. You might already know me, but if you don't, I um, am the host of the show, Space Talk. So welcome to another episode. This is now episode 70. Uh, and actually, there's a few more than 70 episodes, but some of them I just didn't number. Uh, don't ask me why. It's probably because some of them were just very spontaneous and kind of random um, and sort of unplanned. But I just want to say I'm so... Just like thankful that you guys are here. Uh, I'm so excited that the show has made it already to this many episodes. Um, literally blows my mind because that just shows how many things there there is to talk about when it comes to space. Uh, well, space is huge. So there's, there's <laughs> if I dare say, an infinite number of, of things to talk about with space. Um, so today's episode specifically is about the total lunar eclipse that's happening this Sunday into Monday. And is visible from quite a lot of places uh, around the globe. So um, um, I'm actually going to start off by sharing a link in the chat of uh, a few different diagrams that are really helpful uh, to sort of determine where you're located and if you can see this eclipse. Um, oh, yes. Right. How could I forget? So we usually like to start off our episodes now kind of asking a question. So what is, let's see. I'm just going to go with something simple. What is your favorite animal? What is your favorite animal? It's hard to sort of choose, I think, just one. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, of felines. I'm <laughs> just like, probably because I'm a cat person. I've always loved cats since I was a little kid, but big cats are really fascinating to me. I've watched quite a lot of nature documentaries about big cats. So lions and leopards and cheetahs. Uh, I, I just find their behavior to be so, so fascinating. Um so I'd say some of my favorite things about them is their speed and their um, kind of the way they're they're connected to their pride. Uh, so like their their group of fellow big cats, uh, they, they they go hunting as a family and um, they stick together. And I I really love that. So that would be my favorite animal. So what what is yours? I, I want to see see what what you would have to say. You go ahead and leave a comment in the chat. But what's up, Cartavia? What is up, Joshua? Um, so as you guys know, today's episode is about this lunar eclipse that's happening this weekend. Um, so first, let me just sort of talk a little bit about what a lunar eclipse is as opposed to what a solar eclipse is. Um, so a solar eclipse is when the moon is passing between the Earth and the sun and it casts a shadow on the Earth um, over certain locations that uh, it blocks the sun. And so it ends up causing a really kind of fantastical view of just sort of the corona of the sun. And a lunar eclipse is a little bit different. Uh, so this is when the Earth passes between the sun and the moon. And so we then see Earth's shadow casted on the moon. And um, kind of depending on where you're located, it will cast uh, kind of a few different levels of the shadow. These are called the penumbra and the umbra. And the umbra is uh, that sort of that direct line as if you're directly behind Earth. The penumbra is if you're at a little slight, slight angle. So imagine that you're standing behind a tree and the tree is blocking the sun. Um, the outside areas of the shadow is known as the penumbra. So it's a slight dimmer shadow. It's not as opaque. It's a little more transparent. But if you're standing directly behind the tree, that shadow is going to be pretty black, pretty silhouetted. This is the umbra. And so um, 
if you want to look at this chart, I'm going to share in the chat. Oh, wait, I already did share it. If you want to head to that, that's on Sky and Telescope, one of my favorite astronomy uh, resources of information. Um, you could actually see uh, the eclipse uh, sort of path, uh, the, 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 where the shadow is going to be visible, and if your area is going to be part of this. So for the United States, I'll just start there because this is where I am. Um, just about half of the country, so mainly the East Coast, the sort of Central East, is going to be during the entire eclipse visibility. So I can see the whole three and a half hours of the eclipse. So starting from when this moon goes from being its bright, full flower moon, which is this is the known as the full flower moon. And that is because this is when a lot of flowers are in blossom around May. So it's been nicknamed the flower moon. When it goes from that kind of really bright white, you know, reflection of the sun, full moon, and starts to sort of dim, starts to get a little more shadowy, and then eventually can turn this sort of reddish color, and then kind of go back into being shadowy and then full again. So for those who are, um, so like Central America, you've got um, parts of, uh, parts of the United States that are going to be able to see the entire eclipse. And then you have other parts of the U.S. where you might not really be able to catch the whole eclipse, but you can see parts of it. And as I mentioned before, think about that shadow that's being casted, um, not the entire uh, shadow um, from Earth is going to be uh, very, very visible when it comes to looking at the moon because the moon is in you know a totally different orbit. And so... Um, and the Earth is, is quite large, so you're not going to be able to see all of it. So I recommend checking out that chart to kind of uh, look at where exactly you're located because it does vary. Um, but what we're going to sort of talk about again, just because of where my time zone is and um, where I'm located, we're going to kind of base this around Austin, Texas or New York. Um, and that's because New York is actually in a really good area to view this. I think I'm also kind of in that area. I might be right on the cusp. I think further west Texas, you can't see it, but um, so kind of jumping into it, that's going to be uh, happening this weekend. So it's going to start on Sunday, Sunday night, pretty late, um, starts at around 1129 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and you're going to want to be facing south for this. So for those in the northern hemisphere, um, you're going to want to be facing south. And again, as I mentioned earlier, this is going to last about three and a half hours, uh, the entire process. So if you're setting up cameras and you are an astrophotographer and this is, you know, literally what you, what you live for, you love these moments, you love eclipses. Uh, oh my gosh, my cat. I just looked over at her. She's just passed out. She's climbed next to me on my beanbag chair. Uh, I wish you guys could see her. She's so cute. I don't know how she could sleep with my loud voice, but she does. So, um, uh, what was I saying? It, so it lasts about three and a half hours. And um, at the very beginning of the eclipse, about 1130, um, it's going to be when you're facing south. So that is uh, when the total eclipse begins. Um, but if you look at the link I sent you and you scroll further, kind of far down, uh, there's a really great chart here that says the eclipse event. And it mentions the penumbra first visibility. And that is, as I mentioned, the kind of first part of the shadow that you'll be able to see. And that begins at around 11 p.m., uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Partial eclipse is about 1028. Total eclipse, about that 1129 I mentioned. 
then it kind of goes on. Mid-eclipse, total eclipse ends, and the partial eclipse ends, and then possibly that last moment you can catch the penumbra, so that, that kind of less opaque shadow. It'll completely finish at around 2.30 a.m. the morning of March 16th. So um, another great tool that I've mentioned quite a lot on here is the interactive sky chart on Sky and Telescope's website. I'm sharing that right now. Um, yeah, if you, oh, I'm, I'm in a fairly good location. Perhaps I'm realizing North Carolina. Yes, Pignic, you're in a very good location for this um, because you are on that east coast of the United States. So you're in a really good uh, location. And um, let's see. Awesome. Yes. So so that being said, if you want to check out the link I just shared, this brings you to an interactive sky chart. And what I love so much about it is you can put in different times of the day, different you know locations. So since New York is very favorable uh, for this eclipse, I put in New York. I put in actually my old zip code. And um, I put at about 11.29 p.m., which is when totality begins. And looking at this sky chart, if you click and drag the sort of green rectangle, it will hover over the moon. And what's so cool about it is it actually shows the moon eclipsed in the top left image of your selected view. So if you are doing this with me or you're going to do it later, um, again, I really highly recommend this tool. It's a very useful tool with stargazing because sky charts are, are widely helpful, especially when you're new at stargazing. Uh, but this one specifically, because it's interactive, it, it just is a little bit more, um, yeah, like it, it just it just works a little a little bit uh, better for for the beginner. And so, if you zoom in a little bit on that, you'll see that the moon is is already beginning to be eclipsed, and it's going to be located uh, between the Libra constellation and Scorpius. So it's going to be really close to. Let me remove one of these deep sky object names. It's going to be really close to the bright star Antares. And so if you're looking in the night sky, face south and then turn slightly eastward. And you should be able to look up. It's not going to be high on the horizon. So if you are going to be catching this eclipse, this is one of the, the kind of rarer eclipse where if you're in a really busy city or you have any types of trees that are obstructing your view, definitely try to have a better uh, elevation if you can get up on a higher altitude either on like a higher uh, floor in a building or up on a hill somewhere um, which is usually the case with a lot of these astronomical events um, I probably do mention that quite a bit but with this specifically the moon only looks like it's gonna be about 20 maybe 30 degrees above the horizon um, and what that just means is if you take your fist from your big index knuckle to your pinky knuckle um, that is about 10 degrees. So if you hold that out at arm's length and you start to stack your fists on top of each other, then that is will be about 30 degrees, 10, 20, 30. So with that being said, uh, again, this is going to be uh, possibly favorable conditions, but if you live in a light polluted city, uh, turn listen back to one of my previous episodes uh, about how to stargaze when you have light pollution. Um, and try to follow some of those steps. It might be pretty helpful. We mentioned things like using a uh, light pollution filter, also using uh, low red lights, dimming all of your electronic devices, and possibly even using a star sky chart. Or if you are going to be using an app, 
make sure that your your phone is on night mode so that it's it's just like a lot darker so your eyes don't have to adjust. So this is where the moon is going to be positioned. Um, and since uh, I'm going to read a quick, a quick little segment from this site, and then I'm going to kind of go to another website that's really helpful for more info on this eclipse. But it says that since the moon crosses the southern half of the shadow's core and not dead center, you should see a noticeable difference in brightness and color between its southern hemisphere located near the umbras, um, periphery, periphery, it's a funny word. Uh, so basically the where the umbra would be located and where you could see it. So it's like your peripherals uh, and the northern hemisphere, which almost touches the center. These contrasts will work together to enhance the moon's three dimensional appearance. And this should be really, really cool to see um, if you are going to be able to, to get out, uh, get on a higher hill and maybe dodge some light pollution. This should be a pretty um, different, different eclipse than what I've seen before. I've seen a partial lunar eclipse before. And uh, it, it is not a dramatic shift over. It's not as dramatic as a solar eclipse. So uh, be patient with it for sure. And if, if maybe you don't want to you know, experience the whole eclipse, the whole three and a half hours, then you know, go to sleep early, maybe around like 8 or 9 p.m. and set an alarm uh, for you know, wherever your location is when the uh, totality will start to begin. Um, and since it's not super late, uh, you know, you could just stay up. Again, if you're on the East Coast, you set an alarm for around 11.30 p.m. And you'll wake up and the moon's already going to be eclipsed. And it'll last for a while. So you can go outside, enjoy it for 20, 20 30 minutes, and then you can go back to bed. Or if you want to stay up and watch the whole thing, uh, that's that's cool too. So um, this is something that is uh, going to be visible in the Americas, as I mentioned, North and South America, Europe and Africa. Um, as I mentioned again, from, from the East Coast, it's a little bit you know, better to see. This is going to be a couple hours after sunset when it all starts to begin. And let's now head to the other site I'd like to share with you guys. So this is on NPR. Um, I do also like some of the things that they share. Their graph is very nice. It's what I actually made as the contact photo for this episode or the, the episode picture. So there's that link right there. Um, but I'm curious. So can, can you guys comment in the chat? Have any of you seen an eclipse before? You know, a lunar eclipse, we'll say. If you've seen solar, uh, comment that too, but just specify. Because uh, I'm, I'm curious kind of of, of where our... Um, our levels of experience lie with everyone that's here on, on Space Talk. Um, I've seen an eclipse once. It was thankfully like between two very tall skyscrapers in New York. And so it, was, uh, it wasn't blocked by either of the skyscrapers. Um, and I was able to see it, which was pretty cool. Um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was. It was not super visible, but it was um, it was pretty cloudy. So also check your your sky. You're gonna probably want to look for space weather, and also just sort of look for um, what the weather is like in your area. I'm gonna go ahead and share a map that I found in where was it? It was for the light pollution episode we did, and this is a light pollution map. This is a really cool interactive map. Um, if this is your first time seeing it, um, play around with it a little bit and sort of just see where your area is um, and sort of check out 
what um, where the density of light really lies. And this is really helpful for kind of knowing how to how to dodge that when going stargazing. Um, one more thing I'm going to mention, by the way, is it was Dark Sky Awareness Week last week, and it was also Astronomy Week. It was or Astronomy Day, uh, International Day of Recognition, recognizing astronomy and the cosmos above. It also was Space Day a few days earlier, and then a few days before that was also <laughs> Dance Day. Um, so pr- pretty funny that all these things sort of happened at the same time. Um, but uh, darksky.org is a really great organization that I'm probably going to be doing a fundraiser for soon um, and selling a new merch line. So you guys are hearing it first, by the way. I have not announced this on social media. I haven't told anyone uh, except for like you know the company I'm working with um, to do this, but we're I'm probably going to be making some merch and selling it to raise awareness around light pollution. Um, and and half of the proceeds will be going to the International Dark Sky Association, uh, where they host different star parties and and dark sky awareness uh, events, where they'll have certain cities shut off their lights for an hour or two um, during different times of the year. And this is this is really like valuable, I think, and really important because we don't take ourselves enough, in my opinion, out of kind of our our society we've built for ourselves. We we, we don't really remove ourselves, um, and I think it's a, it's it's an important thing to do that because it's shifting sort of our daily perspective of what we're we are conditioned to believe and understand to be reality where there's this whole other reality that exists at the same exact time, so simultaneously as our society exists. And that is the cosmos. That is our, our perspective, our place in the universe. And um, I think this is a very, very valuable thing to bring into humanity because I think it will start to bring a little bit more awareness and attention to some of the modern-day problems that we're facing um, and, and how to make decisions moving forward throughout our evolution of what to uh what what yeah like what what kind of um what decisions to make on a grander scale i would say of what will benefit not just humanity but all of all of our planet all of our earth all the species on it um so that being said darksky.org really awesome website uh really awesome association as well check it out maybe get involved in a few events which reminds me we haven't done an episode on kind of like different types of uh, organizations and events that you can get involved with in your area. So if we've did um, New York, LA and Austin, and that's just because that's where my experience is of going to places. Um, But if you guys are interested in me kind of like doing a little bit of research in your area, please comment uh, where you're based and what you would be interested in. So like if you're in um, a certain city in a certain you know state or country uh, and you want to start to get involved in astronomy clubs or events, please leave a comment. Um, I would love to look up what's going on in your area and how you could get involved. I've actually been learning quite a lot about uh, events that are happening in India. I know that India is very large, so there's tons of different cities. Um, but maybe Astro KV, you might be interested in that. So let me know um, and I can make an episode specifically dedicated to your city. So just uh, let me know if you guys are interested in that. So uh, yes, merchandise, excellent, awesome, awesome. I will make sure to let you guys know when that happens. Picnic, uh, my only solar eclipse was 2017 here on the East Coast of USA. Yeah, I also caught that total, total solar eclipse. Um, that was a really good one. 
that was a very, very fun one. That was known as the, the Great American Eclipse because it went all throughout the United States. So it was very favorable for, for those in the U.S. All right, we've got a recommendations for a city. I'm going to go ahead and type this down. We've got Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville, North Carolina. All right, maybe I'll make a, an episode this week. Um, so what we usually will do is I'll look at different museums in the area and maybe different like local clubs that could be run by schools, universities, or just by people. Um, there's also organizations like as I mentioned, the, the Dark Sky Association, the American Astronomical Society, uh, the Planetary Society. There's so many that are just, yeah, all, all over the U.S. and all over the world that are uh, trying to bring more, um, more of space down to the everyday people. So I will definitely do that. And um, okay, awesome. All right, perfect. So let me just see, do you guys have any questions? Um, as far as this eclipse goes, let me see if I, there was anything else I missed. Um, so do you guys know how you can catch it and when you can catch it? So facing south, if you want to catch the whole thing and set up a camera equipment, it'll start around 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. The total eclipse begins around 11.29 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And then the very, very final finale, if you're going to stay up for the whole thing, should wrap at about 2.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And check out the interactive sky chart. I'm going to go ahead and change the time in this really quick and put it at 2.30 a.m. and see where the moon shifts. So the moon, if you just did that with me or you're going to do it later, it's going to be transiting across the southern part of your sky. So you're going to be facing south the entire time. And it's going to be moving from southeast to direct south to then southwest. And then that's when it's going to eventually start to, to set up below the horizon. Uh, but of course, along the way, you could look for some of maybe your favorite constellations. You've got Sagittarius, Scorpius, Capricornus, Libra, um, Orphicus, you have the bright stars Spica, Arcturus, Vega. Right above you at about 2.30 a.m., you'll start to see uh, Cygnus the Swan or the Summer Cross. And this is a summer constellation because we are moving into summertime, people. I'm so excited to now have our summer constellations start to rise. You have, um, as I mentioned, Cygnus the Swan with those super bright stars, Deneb, Vega, and Altair, and then you've got Pegasus, Polaris, Cassiopeia, which is one of my other favorite constellations because it looks like cat ears. And then, of course, around this time, you've got Saturn beginning to rise. And if you stay up until just before dawn, so let's put about 4.30 a.m., this is now morning twilight, you can catch those planets. So we, we spoke about it yesterday in our, our sort of must-see celestial event for May, for the second week of May. But for summertime now, you've got Venus, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn visible in the early morning sky, about 45 minutes before sunrise, facing east-southeast. So when I say east-southeast, you're going to want to face direct east. That's where Venus is going to be. And as you start to move yourself further south, 
you'll see Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn. Saturn and Mars will be dimmer. They're not as bright right now, a lower uh, magnitude. Venus and Jupiter, on the other hand, are very, very bright planets. They're going to be very bright in our skies. Uh, Jupiter at about a negative 4.0 magnitude. And just curious, if you guys aren't familiar with the magnitude scale, I'm talking apparent magnitude. Uh, I think it was episode two here on Space Talk. We actually kind of broke down the magnitude scale to help you sort of understand the brightnesses and, and you know, dimnesses of, of stars and objects like planets. And so if you want to go back to that episode, go ahead and check that out. It'll be a little easier for you to, to sort of uh, follow along when I talk about magnitudes when it comes to these objects. Um, and then you got Venus at, at about a minus two magnitude. So they're going to be really bright in the sky. And by this time, by early dawn, the moon will already be set below the horizon. And this will be Monday now on May 16th. So I hope you guys get to go out and catch this. Um, I hope you get to see the lunar eclipse. Lunar eclipses are such a great way to just sort of, um, I don't know, just just maybe sit in silence and allow for this this event that was so monumental and so emotionally shifting for early humanity and that it inspired folklore and inspired music and inspired stories and um, so many different things of early humanity. So maybe take a moment of silence while you're while you're witnessing this total lunar eclipse and, and appreciate the levels of advancement we've come to as humanity throughout our evolution uh, to now understand what exactly it is, what's happening, that it's not, you know, the, the, the gods who are now taking the moon and dimming it and brightening it again. But in fact, it's a very wonderful, beautiful thing that happens with several objects in space. Um, so that's about everything for the eclipse. Um, I've got one announcement, which is going to be, um, I just, I don't know, just sort of had a thought yesterday because um, our recent episode uh, that I titled sort of just stream of consciousness ended up being a very popular episode. It, it got probably one of some of the most, most views of, of other episodes here. Um, and I thought, hmm, maybe I should do a whole show that is sort of around these like, just like limitless thoughts, these just very like open thoughts. Um, I believe I even titled the show Open Thoughts. I'm going to go ahead and just double check that. Free Thoughts. Free Thoughts. Um, and that's just because I think that uh, something I've I've learned from just fellow astronomers or, or just curious beings in the field of science or art or creativity um, is that the sometimes I think that our uh, like we might have like sometimes a slightly different perspective. So I want to try to bring some of my guests on, different guests on, friends of mine from all different fields. And we'll choose a topic of something that is uh, kind of maybe either pretty basic or pretty obscure and just sort of talk philosophy. So I was part of a philosophy club in high school and we would sort of choose, choose a topic and then like see where it goes throughout our conversation. And we would sit and talk for about an hour to an hour and a half and by the end of it, we would try to backtrack and figure out where it all started and how we got to all these different sort of segments of thought. And I think that doing thought experiments are a very important thing when it comes to the field of astrophysics and really just science in general, 
because it's what allowed us to think outside the box. And it's what allowed things like Star Trek to to kind of things in Star Trek become a reality, like iPads and transportation and maybe one day quantum teleportation. And so I'd love to sort of explore those thoughts where I know space talk is so much more uh, niche and very focused on specifically astrophysics, astronomy, um, and, you know, rocket science as well. But I, I think it would be really um, fun to do an episode like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. One more thought I just had was I didn't do our episode on rocket launches. I just remembered that for the month of May. So I might change up a few episodes that are scheduled in the coming weeks. And I might do that for tomorrow, which are what launches are happening in May. And I'm really hoping to get out to the next Falcon Heavy launch because that is probably going to be really cool. Um, and I also haven't seen SLS in person. That was that was totally a FOMO on my part, fear of missing out because I didn't get to catch it. But that's okay because it hasn't launched yet. Um, so that's everything. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. It looks like um, you all don't have any more questions right now, but... Um, it looks like we've got a link to something near, oh, we've got Greenville, South Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. I got Charlotte, North Carolina, definitely a very popular city. So that might be better um, or just easier to try to find space events at. So I'll put that there. And if you guys have any other recommendations for your location, feel free to send me a DM here on the Colin app um, and just let me know where it is that you might want to um, have me look up things that are happening in your area. Otherwise, I'll just start to choose some cities that maybe I want to go to one day. Alrighty, everyone. Well, um, hopefully you guys get to get out and catch this lunar eclipse. Uh, feel free at any time again to, to ask me any questions, send me a DM or join an episode in the future. So go outside, look up at the night sky, get awestruck again, starstruck and awe-inspired, um, and, and uh, just appreciate our place in the universe and in the cosmos. All right, guys, have a great rest of your day, and as always, add Astra.